Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three, two. Hey, y'all, it's your girl Sonia, and welcome back to She Say, She Say Sports. Today I have with me former ABA player and senior career counselor for the NBA, Dr. Lloyd Walton. Hello, Dr. Walton. How are you? I'm good, Sonia. How are you? Although it's I the am. NBA, not ABA. I know, but that okay, and that was, I was going to ask you because during the research, let's start over, but during the research, they said ABA, and I was like, why? Because in 19, 1976, it merged with the NBA, and why would they have ABA by your name? So let's start over. <laughs> okay. I was gonna, and that was one of my questions because I was really confused. I'm like, <laughs> it merged in um, set, um, 76. Why wouldn't it be NBA? That's what I thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's start over. Okay. Five, four, three, two. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Sonia, and welcome back to She Say, She Say Sports. Today I have with me former NBA player and senior career counselor for the NBA, Dr. Lloyd Walton. Hello, Dr. Walton. How are you? I'm great, Sonia. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. Good. You know, um, how has everything been going, you know, since the COVID and everything? Your family's doing all right? Everybody's good? My family's great. Um my wife is uh, a doctor also. She's a doctor in nursing, and she's an executive at a hospital here in Chicago. Okay. So she's been on the front lines for over a year now, but she's wow. well. Um, um, you know, she got her uh, vaccines early. Uh, I followed that. Um, you know, it's been, I guess it's been basically the same everywhere. You know, people were backing off the, COVID, uh, the vaccines. Uh, well, let me say, first of all, people weren't even getting the vaccines. We didn't have anything initially and right. then um they they got the vaccines the moderna and the pfizer and people started to take them and a lot of people at that point were a little leery particularly people of color um and i think we kind of we meaning people of color i think we kind of weaken our stance a little bit um and start accepting the fact that this may be something that will help us rather than hurt us Right. Um, so with that being said, you know, my family's good. I'm really happy that nobody close to me, my mom is 86. She got both of her shots. So oh, I'm extremely happy with, yeah, it is. I'm extremely happy with, uh, with the turnout, uh, with my family at this point. Amen. I, I totally agree. Um, thankfully my family is fine too. And I was actually, I was in Chicago three weeks ago. I just needed to is that away. right? I didn't do too much. I, you know, I, I visited some family, but I just needed to get a break. And so um, okay. I found a cheap flight, and I got up there. So, yeah. That's wow, I'm surprised, you, I'm surprised you chose Chicago, though. Wow. Oh, that's and I, my Not because city. I think, really, I think we have I, a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love our city in the summertime. Um, oh, yeah. But it's still, it's still cold. In fact, we had snow yesterday. Um and with the other things that's happening in our city, with this uh, rash of violence that's been taking place, I know it's a little, it's a little scary, you know. Seriously, uh, and that's so unfortunate because it's so random now. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, be it usually was rather not be it usually was you know just in certain areas and things of that nature, but now it is all over our city, and there's really no safe place uh, to actually go where you know you're going to be okay. And you know, and I, I, I. I I, like I said, that's my favorite city, and people, a lot of people ask me why, and I'm like, well, first of all, I have a lot of family there, been going there since I was two, and I know, you know, about what's been happening, especially, you know, like earlier on this year, um, Mm -hmm. we're having the same situation here. We actually had um, a guy shot and killed somebody in the street um, yesterday at 11 o'clock in the morning during lunchtime. Um, Wow. It was, and this is like the sec, second killing on the high on the street in the last month here. 
So it's a lot oh, going on. 50, 51 people have been killed um, by gun shooting, I believe, this year. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's rough everywhere. And just like you say, it's, it's like it doesn't matter what area anymore. It's everywhere now. So exactly. just praying exactly. for safety. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Around, around the country and I would imagine around the world too, you know, this is – we're in a little bit of a turmoil right now, unfortunately, you know, with the yeah. pandemic, with the violence and, and things of that nature. Right. Well, tell um, your wife, Dr. Walton, thank you for um, being on the front lines. Uh, it, is, it was much needed, and, and we're grateful for um, nurses and doctors um, all across the country and the world that has helped out so many people, you know, to get their lives back and um, hopefully – this vaccine will do some things that we need to do so I can get out the country. So <laughs> uh, we feel the same way. We didn't get out, you know, usually we take a vacation, you know, and mm-hmm. go out of the country and we weren't able to do it this year. Uh, so I agree yeah. with you. Hopefully this ends uh, soon so we can go on our vacation this year. Right. Exactly. So, so doc, um, you played in the NBA and you were, you were a point guard, which is a very important yes. position in basketball. During that time, who do you look up? Who did you look up to as far as point guards, and while you were playing? And do you have a favorite point guard today? Uh no. There's so many great players today, particularly because of my uh, my position with the Players oh, Association. Yeah. yeah. I've just enjoyed all of them. But when I was, you know, in in, in high school and college, I guess the person that I emulated, uh, who I really admired was Tiny Archibald, um, mm. I would say. You know, the thing about it, we always have these little debates or discussions with people, was that, you know, young people uh, don't necessarily see players that played years before them, so they only can really talk about the players that they see. Um, right. But you're talking about somebody who was only six feet tall, who led the league in scoring and assists two years in a row. Unheard of. And it was during a period where the game was very physical. Um, and uh, not to knock a throw shade on our young guys today, but the, the physicality has been taken out of the game. And so it's much easier to do the things that you want to do uh, today than it was then. But Tiny Archibald was my guy. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a great person to emulate. Yeah. I, of course, I was a baby baby or, yeah, but I, I, I know about him. <laughs> I, know, right. I know about him. <laughs> He was he was he was he was something else. And you know, when you when you were drafted, you were drafted in seventy six and that was a year the ABA merged with the NBA. Could you please explain to the listeners what's the difference between the two and did, was there a difference when the two associations merged? Um Yeah, I think um I think that the ABA players they had two chips on their shoulders. One, you know, I wasn't drafted to the NBA, which was the main league, right? But right. I was good enough to play in the, uh, the NBA. So I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm going to prove that I was a good enough player that should have been drafted into the NBA. Then secondly, right. uh, secondly, I think players, uh, as a team, their organizations felt the same way because only uh, Indiana, uh, Denver, and uh, there might have been one other team that really came over, uh, which is not a huge merger, but those were the only teams, and those players really felt like, you know, their organizations really, really felt like they really fit. And Denver came in and had a really, really good team. San Antonio was another one. Um, and, and you had George Gervin uh, with, with San Antonio. Um, you had great players with Denver. So, you know, you had some really good teams, but that was, that was the difference between the two. The other part of it was we began to have uh, that three-point line, uh, and oh, that's yeah. when that kind of started, right? That mm-hmm. was the big change, you know. We go now. We didn't we didn't bring over the the, the multicolored basketball that they were accustomed to play with. Uh, I don't know if that was good or bad, but uh, so that was some of the changes that we had. But uh, it was it was a, it was a new era that started when they came over. And and you guys, it was some tough players in the ABA. I mean. Naming, you know, you named a couple of them yourself and Dr. J. <laughs> I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was some tough players. So 
I guess you said, you know, the, the chip on the shoulder really um, showed them that they they deserve to be in the NBA. And uh, I was wondering, I actually, Mr. Longshot, you may not have known him, but he was a former manager of mine and kind of like a father to me. Um, he played in the ABA. David Walls, does that name David, sound familiar? David was a uh, white guy? Black guy. He was, oh, he was a dark black like guy. Okay, six, no. Seven, no, I don't six, know eight. But um, no, I can't I remember the team. He's passed away now. But, um, okay. I was, you know, and I was like, I'm going to ask him. I was just curious. But, yeah, so I, I was just curious about that, when, you know, when it merged together at that time and what was the main difference about it. So just it's just interesting history because a lot of people don't really know about the ABA. So they Right. Isn't that community. something? Yeah, that's you know, it's so it's so I'm sorry, Sonia, I'm so sorry. No, you're but fine. It's just it's just that, you know, like the, I was talking to a friend of mine um, yesterday, in fact, and uh, was trying to share with him, like, some of the things that, you know, our young people, like, today, our young people never saw Michael Jordan play, for example. That's and, crazy you know, the, 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 <laughs> it, it, is, it sounds crazy, right? <laughs> never saw Michael Jordan play. I just read a, a bit of an article earlier today when Michael was talking about um, – the player that he emulated the most and who he never could really, uh, who he felt he played better than when he played against him was Dr. J. Um, mm. So there's people who never saw either one of them play, only people that they saw play. And, you know, the debate always goes up between, you know, whether it's LeBron or, or, or was it Kobe. Kobe or was it MJ, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's really interesting when time passes by, you, you know, you don't, you don't get a chance to have a reference point to see them, to compare them. And so you only know what's in front of you. And today's kids, the last 10, 15 years, only knows about LeBron. Their parents have failed them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> because but I think, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. God, this is, first of all, I, used, I taught in Dallas. Um, this was like in 06. And okay. I mentioned Michael Jordan. And these were teenagers. These, this was middle school. They did not know who he was. And I almost passed out. First of all, he's my favorite player of all time. I've been a fan since um, Tar Heels. So I'm a okay. huge Michael Jordan fan, for real, for real. But I could not you believe sound- that, that <laughs> it broke my heart. And so a lot of people, when the Last Dance documentary came out last year, thank goodness, because first of all, that saved us during COVID because it was so boring. So those eight weeks of that documentary shed a, a lot of light on who he was and what he brought to the NBA. And that's when a lot of kids was, like, figuring out who he was. It was they were be, He was before Kobe and LeBron. It, it amazes me. I, I'm amazed at that. Well, you sound like my wife, who is a huge uh, Michael Jordan fan, and anytime <laughs> somebody wants to make a comparison, just blasphemy to her. Like, you can't – there's no it comparison. Is. You know, it's just – it's just Michael. Are you kidding me? It's so, just Michael. Uh, I understand. It, yeah. And, you know, I, I I used to, you know, when um, Kobe was in the league, I was not a fan of his because I hated when people said that he was better than Mike. And I'm like, he's no, he is he is doing everything <laughs> that he does. But when he because left of Mike. the league, when he left the league, <laughs> I started following him on Instagram, and I okay. became – a fan of of who he was as a family man. I fell in love with that. And it okay. broke my heart to pieces like the world when he, you know, when he passed away tragically last year. And But I saw him in a whole different light. And that's when I started. I was like, you know what? I will put him in the GOAT conversation, even though I already know who it is. <laughs> um but, yeah, that amazes me. And even Dr. J, I'm like, it amazes, you know, I'm like, I can't believe people don't know who he is. But it's the times, and basketball was much better back then. I know you can't say it, but I will. Basketball. No, I, I can. I mean, I, I feel basketball was, was better uh, for, for, for a myriad of different reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we were, we were much more fundamentally sound as individuals, right. uh, as teams. We really had to learn um, uh, the, the fundamentals of the game. We had to learn the game, okay? Exactly. And it wasn't so much flash and dash. 
You know, when the rules began to change 10 to 12, 13 years ago, it was more about athleticism, but there was a reason for that. But the bottom line is that the game, in my opinion, was much better, you know, in the 70s, in the mm-hmm. 80s, in the I 90s, agree. right? Yes. You, you really had to be, in my opinion, a real player. Uh, I think players get away with being almost like specialists today. For example, mm-hmm. you know, you see guys who can only do maybe one thing, and they, you know, they have a, they have a long career. Um, and that means that there's some things that's missing out of your game that you don't necessarily have. Well, that wasn't the case uh, in years before. Right. I totally agree. You know, speaking of back then, um, Doc, was it someone you enjoyed playing against um, back then, like a, a tough competitor or a matchup? Kind of like an iron sharpens iron situation. Was there anybody? Oh, no. You know, when I was in the in the league, I was just basically a role player. So the only okay. people I really enjoyed playing against, though, were people that I really knew, like maybe I went to college with. Then, you know, it was okay. special then to go against them and, and go all out because we were going to go hang out afterwards and, and talk right. out to each friends. other. Right. Yeah, we were friends. But, you know, on the court, we were like, hey, man, you, I want to get the best of you. He wants to get the best <laughs> of me. Right. You know? uh, and that's the way that was. But, in, you know, and in, in, in other people in the NBA, I didn't feel that way. I admired so many of them, you know, as a college player. You know, I can mm-hmm. think about coming on the court uh, playing against the New Orleans Jazz back then. And mm-hmm. back then, Pete Maravich was on their team. He was a wow. star in the NBA. And I remember, you know, there was back then they would have a jump ball at every quarter. And I remember walking out to start a quarter, and he says, Lloyd Walton from Marquette. Man, I was like, he know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Wow. He knows my name, you know. This is someone who I followed when he was in college at LSU, you know. So, you know, Walt Frazier, you know, he, know who, he knew who I was. And so you don't think people actually watch college basketball. Like today, we have sports on so many different channels and what have you. It would be easy to see why a player would know you. But we didn't have right. it like that back then. So, yeah, both of those guys, when they, when they mentioned my name and said hello, I was, like, shocked. I think I was, like, you know, I was out of it for about the first three or four minutes of the game because I couldn't <laughs> even think, like, how does this guy know me, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, and college basketball was so, so, so amazing back then. You know, before the um, NBA, you played for Marquette under legendary coach Al McGuire. What oh, yeah. was it like oh, to yeah. learn from him? And what was some of the, something he taught you that you, that's still a part of your life and you teach today? Oh, God, there's so many things, Sonia. Um, Same for Coach McGuire. Coach McGuire, because people often ask me, in fact, I'm going to consult him in a movie that they're getting ready to start shooting. Really? Um, Yeah, hopefully, hopefully soon. I've been hired as a consultant. But, you know, he was so charismatic, and uh, people ask me could, uh, from time to time, in today's coaching game, who would he, who does he remind you of? And uh, I felt like I feel like he he was a a cross between uh, Coach John Calipari at Kentucky mm-hmm. and Coach Mike Shashevsky at Duke. Nice disciplinarian, but uh, had swag, had a presence. You know, he was from New York City. You know, so he had that little that New York voice, that East Coast yeah. voice, right? <laughs> uh, but he understood um, black players. He understood mm-hmm. their plight. He understood what they really wanted to do. Um, he understood what their parents wanted them to do, or in most cases, two different things. The players wanted to try to make it to the league. The parents wanted them to be educated. And he was like, you're going to do both. You come play for me, you're going to do both. You're going to get your education, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help you get to the league. And one of the things that uh, he had instituted when he was at Marquette was that as long as you left school in good grace, even if you're, after your four years of eligibility were up, uh, and and you want to come back and get your degree, they would still pay for it. Unbelievable at the time. That is beautiful. Um, wow. Yeah. And he actually, I think, you know, I learned a lot, you know, about the game, what have you, but he taught me so much just about life and humanity um, and why people do things that they do in most cases was to always to better themselves. And the thing about it, he always told us to just think about our own lives 
Why do we go to college? We want to better ourselves. Why do we want to go to the league? We want to better ourselves. You know, all those kind of things that just made sense when you took a moment, took a step back, and thought about it. Mm. Uh, and then taught us, like I was explaining to um, Shaka Smart, who was just hired by Marquette uh, about a week ago. Okay. Shaka Smart, you know who Shaka is? Yes. Okay, so Shaka just finished his uh, tenure at Texas, was at Virginia Commonwealth, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not Commonwealth, several years ago, took him to the tournament. So I was just having a conversation with him the other day, and um, he was asking me to kind of explain how we had all of these great players. And when I say great players, um, we had all Americans uh, on our yeah. team. Uh, the three years that I was there, you know, Maurice Lucas, Bo Ellis, who I just talked to this morning, Butch Lee, you know, Earl Tatum. And um, how did you guys have all these All-Americans? And you guys, you know, you really didn't have some outstanding one score or something like that because he created, Al McGuire, that has created a culture that we, when, we went, when we went as a team, we all get a chance for the big league. Mm-hmm. And that just resonated with me during my recruiting and I never stopped believing that or thinking that because, you know, most of us came from, from high schools where we averaged 20 points or better. And at Marquette, I, I think our leading score might have averaged 15 points. Uh, we never scored more than 59 points a game, but we were so good we always held teams to less than 50. or I mean, 55, less than 55. Right. Uh, that's kind of, it's kind of unheard of. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't really happen. Uh, but we bought in. We bought in that I'm going to help the other guy because I'm going to do well, and he's going to get a chance too. Right. Um, so that was really, really important about helping your, your fellow man, in that case, your teammate. That, that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because it sounds like one of my favorite coaches of all time. I um, actually spoke with Terry Cummings on the show a few months ago. DePaul Blue Demon was my favorite team. Yeah. PC? PC. <laughs> I talked to your own okay. and um Okay. I, you know, I know he was probably shocked, but I only, I, we discussed him being in the NBA, but I wanted to talk about Ray Meyer. <laughs> That's who I wanted to talk. I was a huge, I was a fan of his more than I was the team, I believe, as a little girl. And I love the Ray Meyer era. I, I did hang around watching and, you know, supporting him when Joey came, but it was mainly after mm-hmm. when Rod Strickland left, I kind of left because it, it just, the same team, it was gone. That same magic. That it wasn't raised, the same. It wasn't mm-hmm. the same. And he talked about um, Al McGuire, um, Terry did. and it's, But when he talked about Coach Meyer, it's like the same person almost. He, he, he bought, you know, he took care of the, the, the kids. And he understood mm-hmm. the black kids. And mm-hmm. making sure that it was more than just Terry said when he got ready to leave and go to the league, he told him he didn't want him to go, but he gave him advice, and you know mm. he, he supported him, and so he was like, yeah. even though he had a father, he was like a father to him, and so a lot of the players. So that's really good to well, hear. You, hmm? Well, let me tell you, I guess I've got to add this piece to it. Um, yeah, I knew the Ray Meyer family very well. Really. Um, Ray Meyer's son, uh, his oldest son, uh, Tom Meyer, was my coach uh, for two years in high school. Um, wow. I, yeah, Mount Carmel High School, he was my coach. And I went to, uh, uh, to Ray Meyer's basketball camp for several years. Uh, and they recruited me heavy. Um, a lot of people thought I might go to DePaul. Uh, I was just so in love with uh, Coach McGuire and, and his swag and and, and, you know, I'm a kid, a very impressionable. So Marquette had the coolest uniforms, period, you know, during that period. Every year they had these, these, um, these, these, these cutting-edge uniforms. Every year they, they would have two or three uniforms made to wear. And so I was mm-hmm. sold by that, but I was sold mostly by, by Coach McGuire. So I wound up going to Marquette. Um, I don't know if you know the story that our uniforms, um, were outlawed after three years by the NCAA because they felt like it gave Marquette a recruiting advantage. So right, I didn't. They know. Were, oh yeah, so I, we were the we were the team that invented wearing the, the the uniforms with wearing the jerseys outside your shorts. Um, my roommate and beloved teammate, who I alluded to earlier, I spoke to earlier today, Bo Ellis, 
was uh, into fashion design uh, in college. And, uh, you know, our jerseys were always out. Our parents, referees saying, put your jerseys in. Coaches saying, put your jerseys in. And, you know, one night we had to, we had to, we had to uh, dorm room, and Bo's like, man, you think that Coach McGuire would let us uh, let me design our uniforms? I was like, man, I'll ask him. So the next day at practice, you know, I went to Coach McGuire and said, hey, uh, you know, Coach, can Bo design our uniforms? And, of course, he didn't think so. Well, you know, give me a sketch of something like that, and I'll take it to Metalist Industry where he was part owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, made a, they made uniforms for a number of uh, uh, NCAA teams. So Bo designed it, took it to Coach McGuire. Next thing you know, we come out with uh, the jerseys that were made to wear outside your trunks, and everybody was going crazy. Everybody wow. started wearing them. Even DePaul wore them after us. But like I said, three years later, the NCAA outlaw, outlaw, outlawed them uh, because they said it gave us a recruiting advantage. Now, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I never knew that yeah. story. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, Doc, you could say that coaches like McGuire and Meyer are definitely two of the greatest collegiate men basketball coaches ever. And do you see any McGuire's and Myers in today's college coaches? And you already mentioned um, two that you saw from McGuire. What about Myers? Uh, gosh, because he went to school at Notre Dame. Uh, let me say this. One of the things about him, there's a few. When I think of Mark Few and Gonzaga, mm-hmm. okay, and I'm, when I, the reason why I think about Mark Few, he's been at Gonzaga for 20 years. You know, our coaches back then weren't going from school to school. And I'm right. not knocking this at all, but you think about Calipari, who was at UMass. Uh, he was at Memphis. You know, he tried his hand in the NBA, came back. You know, in, uh, uh, now he's at Kentucky. So, you know, he's been around. Uh, you think about Coach um, Krzyzewski. He's been at Duke for 20 years. You know, you don't have those kind of guys like that. Guys are at a job three, four, five years, and they're gone. You know, and that's the reason why it doesn't make any sense for players, for, for the NCAA, to punish kids when they want it uh, to, to transfer where mm-hmm. coach would leave and they don't, there's no punishment, no consequences, which makes no sense whatsoever. It's only this year because of the pandemic that they allow players to transfer without any uh, consequences. Uh, mm-hmm. But those two guys remind me of, of, of Coach McGuire and Coach, uh, Coach Meyer. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and even, you know, like, I'm not sure, I forgot, I forgot how long Coach McGuire was at Marquette, but Ray Meyer was at the he went to he was at DePaul from nineteen forty something until the eighties. <laughs> that's a See, long that's, time. That's, right. Well Coach McGuire coached at two places. He coached at Belmont Abbey for two years and then he got a chance to coach Marquette and he was at Marquette for eleven years and then he retired from mm-hmm. basketball period. So, you know, like I said, those kind of tenures are not really what you see today with our college coaches. I don't know if it's the money. You know, I don't know what it is, but um, coaches don't seem to want to to drop an anchor and stay somewhere and build a program and go through the tough times because just like good times, you're going to have some tough times. Uh, Guys have a tendency to to run for more money or something else, which, you know, that's their choice, but that's the difference in it. Yeah, it it, it is a difference. And – even and, and even um, you can even say that about some players too. Not just in the NBA, but also at colleges, they they switch schools or teams. You know, if they're not getting treatment like they want, or you know, it, it's just it amazes me. I miss old basketball. I miss <laughs> a lot of. It's just not the same anymore, and you know I, I still love it. That is my favorite sport, but it's just different. And I, I know things have to change, but some things I wish can stay the same. I really, really do. Well, I you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, uh, Sonia. You think about well, I don't even really watch college basketball really uh, until the NCAA tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that happened that 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 took away my love for it. Um, was that, you know, back in the day, you had players who actually stayed in school to at least their junior year, right? Mm-hmm. So they created a fan base 
right, that you knew you were going to be able to see them year in and year out. Where now your best players, they're done at one year, so then you go on to the next guy. Um, and that's the, un- the unfortunate part. I don't say the guy shouldn't go get paid at all, but I'm just saying you kind of knew from, one, from school to school. You think about Grant Hills was there three years. You think about this player. So that play at least two years, you think about Chris Weber, you know, Jawan Howard, you know, three. You know, guys were out of school for a while. So you got a really chance to see them grow and develop. Um, and now, you know, a guy is there really playing for that first six months, or at least for the first semester he's in class, second semester he doesn't go back to school uh, because he's trying right. to get ready for the league. Exactly. That's true. So speaking yeah. of coaches, when you became assistant coach at Marquette under head coach Rick Majerus, how was it being on the other side of the game and at your alma mater? Man, I remember take, getting that job. Um, <laughs> it was, it, it was. I needed a job first of all. Let me say that. And uh, uh, Rick uh, felt like uh, you know I could fill a void on his staff. Um, it was already different just because Rick was very different. Rick was a gym rat. Um, he mm. would go anywhere, watch basketball. I mean, that was his life. There's a story, and I don't know how true it is, but I, I think he told me, or maybe one of his close friends told me, that he got mar- once Rick got married, and he was only married for six months. And so people would ask him, like, you know, what happened? You know, why'd you get divorced? And he said, well, she didn't love the game. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, he just loved the game inside and out. Coach McGuire kind of understood what his role was. He had, he he, he, um, he carved out his niche. Um, after his first four or five years at Marquette, he didn't do a lot of the on on the on the floor coaching. He left that to Coach Hank Raymond's his second guy. Um, so they were very very different. So, but going back to Marquette as an assistant coach was great. You know, I knew the fan base. I mm-hmm. loved being on campus. Um, but we weren't getting the players that we had gotten, that we were getting when I was there. So it was very, very different. Uh, you know, we were fighting for wins and stuff like that as opposed to uh, when I was there when we basically felt and knew that we were better than the, most of the teams that we played against. Mm, okay. Gotcha. Did you get to speak with Coach McGuire when you decided to take the coaching position? And if so, what was his response? Uh, I, I I didn't. I spoke to him afterwards. Okay. Uh, and and his he really you know he, he didn't think I really wanted to do it. Like you sure this is what you want to do? You know, um, this is a lot more demanding. You know than than you might imagine. You have to really work at it. You know you got to support Rick and what he does. And and I didn't know if I really wanted to do it. To be honest with you, it was my first coaching job. And it okay. was demanding. And, and everybody's different, just like every, all of our bosses, right? All our right. leaders and companies are very, very different. You find some, some leaders who want to be at the office at 4 in the morning, and what happens sometimes is that they expect you to do that. And you don't want to be there at 4 in the morning. You want to come right. in at 8 o'clock and do your job and leave, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you believe in work-life balance, you know. Uh, some coaches are like, well, no, I got to be here. I'm staying until 12 tonight. I got film to watch, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and that's kind of where Rick was, but Rick didn't demand that from his staff, uh, okay. but it was just different. And Coach McGuire was, you know, was real serious about, you know, you got to really decide if this is something that you want to do because I know you can do it if you really want to do it, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of time away from your family. Mm-hmm. And I only did it for one year because of that. Wow. That's interesting. So, well, I guess you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask you, which did you enjoy being more, a player or a coach? Player, by far. It's not even close. (laughs) Not even close, man. It's not even close. But I will tell you this, though, Sonia, you know, probably five years after I left Marquette, you know, I got Mm -hmm. into the real world and started working. I really wanted to go back and coach. I really, really wanted to coach then. I was like, I understand now, you know, my family situation had, had been solidified, um, you know, so I could really, really put the time in. And at that time, I just couldn't find a place that I felt or even that coaching staff felt I was needed and I wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, years later, I became assistant coach in, in the CBA back then because I was going to go try to get back in the league as an assistant coach. Um, 
but you know, it's 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 no easy task. It's, as I as I said earlier, you know, it's it's a lot of hours away from your family. It's a lot of work if you want to win. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. I know today that you know mainly it's it's a young man's game. You have to get in it when you're young. You can't get in it when you get older. You know, when you get in it young, it becomes part of your life. It's part of your routine. Your family understands it. It's part of their routine. They understand it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I, w- I would love to have been able to stay at it. I wish I knew what I knew now. It's always retrospect. Uh, right. I probably could have stayed and, you know, made a career out of that because I love the game. I love the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Doc, you know, your career has taken you many places, and you are currently a senior career counselor with the NBA where you've logged over 2,000 counseling hours with the NBA players. So are you considered a therapist for the players? Explain to me exactly what you do. With, with the, <laughs> I, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. You know, you don't hear about a lot of those type of positions, you know, in athletics. So I think that's very Well, it, it is interesting. So as you know, I don't care um, how much success you have, uh, on the court, uh, at some point in time, the ball is going to stop bouncing. The, you know, another analogy we use is the air is going to be taken out the ball, and you're going to have to move on to the next phase of your life. Mm-hmm. So my number one charge is to help prepare players for when that time comes so that transition can be smooth. Um, the challenge of it is for players to be able to look into their future and take advantage of the opportunities and resources that they have at their fingertips now. That's the mm-hmm. biggest challenge for them to be able to see that, understand that, and then take part of that. Um, uh, and that's, I do that from the time they walk into, uh, into the league until the time they leave, and even some I work with after they're out of the league. But uh, I never envisioned that I would be doing this. This is my 22nd year. I never envisioned wow. I'd be doing this this long. Uh, I have enjoyed it. I've had some uh, unbelievable stories of seeing kids coming to the league, grow up, you know, get married, have a family, and become responsible members of society. You know, that's that's unbelievable. You know, it's just unbelievable seeing these guys. Yeah, it's like your own child, you know, you see grow up uh, and mature and start making good decisions as opposed to making immature decisions when they come in the league because they're 18, 19 years of age. Right. but yeah, that's that's something that just it, it fell in my lap, and I, I I thoroughly enjoyed. It. I tell the players today, I'm I'm just as passionate about helping players go from where they are to where they want to be off the court in pursuit of success today as I was when I started 22 years ago. That's awesome. You know, even though you said the position fell into your lap, did, yeah, did being a player did it motivate you to do it because of when you were a player and did you have a counselor like that, or, I mean, how? how no. What no. No. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, let me just say this. You know, um, we had no programs or services um, like we have today for our players. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that what happened with the NBA and the Players Association before they even got there they found that too many players were struggling once they left the league. Now, we certainly weren't making the money that they make today, but players were struggling making that transition into the next phase of their life. And so they came up with the idea that, that, that their players needed to be provided with some guidance and some direction and some programs and resources so they could transition. The transition would be uh, smooth, if you will, if at all right. possible, if they engaged. And so – uh, as, I, as I alluded to, I was I started getting back into uh, the game. I was uh, asked to be assistant coach at the pre-draft camp uh, for several years, and and I got back around basketball people, right? And mm. we're having these different conversations, and uh, I was told about a position that the NBA uh, and the NBA it's a joint program that the NBA and the Players Association were creating, and actually. Uh, I interviewed for it, and I didn't get it. And I was like, you got to be kidding, man. I, I got a master's degree, and, I mean, you know, I, I, I've right. done this, I've done that. But anyway, I didn't get it. And uh, a, a year or two later, they called me and said, man, you're gonna, we, we, we're going to hire you. You know, we want you to go through the interview, but we definitely want to hire you. And so uh, I took the interview, and uh, they did hire me, and I've been there ever since. 
Wow. Every since. Yeah. 22 years. Yeah. Tell, um, tell us about Lifelong Winners LLC Consulting. That's that's my that's my baby. You know, um, that's the direction that I'm headed. Um, um, you know, when I leave the Players Association, mm-hmm. um, it is my consulting company uh, that we're going to go full bore within the next year or so. And um, when you think about it, we do. Uh, I do motivational speaking. I'm also a certified life coach. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, we do, we're going to do transition plans and things of that nature. When I think about my life coaching career, I like that more than anything else because, and I thought about this, if I had left already, this I probably wouldn't have been, been busier than any point in time in my life during this pandemic period, this last year and a half. There were right. a lot of high school players, a lot of college players who couldn't play initially, and they were at wit's end because that's what they loved to do. That's was, that was their routine to start playing in October and what have you. And a lot of parents didn't know what to do. Like, what are we going to do? And they needed somebody to talk to because I think about right. having a coach, whether it's football or basketball, having a coach in your sport. Well, who's your coach in life? Your life is going to last a lot longer than your basketball or football career. Who are you going to talk to? Who's, who's been on that journey that can help you work through that to get some uh, awareness, get some clarity, be able to motivate you, you know, to give you the kind of confidence to move forward off the court of the field. So that's what uh, Lifelong Winners is, is about, that life coaching, preparing in those transitional plans together, um, and so you can move forward. You know, most players, and I give them the analogy that when they're in high school, they try to play for these different AAU teams, but they are very selective. They want to go play for this AAU team because they travel. This AAU team is sponsored by Nike. This AAU team is seen by all the major colleges. Well, that's a plan. You just haven't, you know, formalized it and maybe written it down. The same Mm -hmm. thing is going to happen in life, right? You want to make the best decisions, right, so you can be at your optimum level to move forward in life. Well, you're probably going to need a coach to help you work through that, to navigate through that, to make better decisions so you can do just what you want to do. And that's what I want to do uh, moving forward from the NBA Players Association. I love it. And I love the name Lifelong Winners because even after the game, you know, you're still a winner. And this is this is only for um, athletes or just NBA players or is it for anybody? You're so all athletes. It's, it's so all athletes. Um, and let me say, I'm glad you said, you know, you like the name. You know, it is exactly what you just said. You know, I believe that, uh, say, for example, you're in high school. Uh, no matter what your dream is and what have you, uh, your last official game could be in high school. Right. But that does not preclude you from being a lifelong winner. That's the right. same thing could be said for college players, right? Even though you want to get to NFL and the NBA, there's no guarantee you're going to do that. Uh, but you also, but you can be a lifelong winner outside of that sport when that sport has ended for you officially. And the same thing for uh, professional athletes. So I came up with that, you know, one night just thinking and thinking about where is there a void? What void can I feel? And that's the void that I want to feel uh, when I leave the Players Association. I love it. That's 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 good. I, I really that is a great idea, Doc. And you thank know, you. And as a player. Well, not me because I never played. I'm, I'm tall enough, <laughs> but I never played. As okay. Player, speaking of you as a player, I'm sure you know. Especially, well, I, you know what? Because you were in the league maybe what four or five years, but somebody who was in the league like fifteen, seventeen years, they don't know what to do to do with themselves. You know. Well, and, let me. Well, well let ahead. me say this. Um, that's the reason why uh, they know now. If they, take a, if they take a little bit of their time during their career, in the summer, during the season, we figure out what it is that you want to do. That's what, that's what I'm here I for. I love it. We'll that's figure awesome. it out, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so, for example, give you an example of how this kind of works. So you come in and you don't know what you do when you get in the league. Now, you know, we start having these conversations if you want to engage. And you say, well, I don't really know. So we'll do some exploration kind of things, right? You know, where, where your skill set at? So most of them don't have a lot of skills. They went to college for one year, right? But you have some okay. ideas like, you know, I like, I like real estate. Or I like technology. 
okay, so now what we're going to do, we're going to make sure that we introduce you to technology and real estate at the very entry level, which is basically just to educate you what it is and inform you about what the industry does and how it works. And we tell players whatever it is that you want to do. We hope that you're passionate about it too. Whatever it is that you want to do, we're going to get you some experience on the entry level. And then we want you to decide if this is what you want to do or not. Either choice, it's a win. Let's say you, you, you say, no, this is not for me. Well, now we check that off the list. That's a win. We don't have to go back there. You know you don't want to do that. We move on to the next thing. And once, we, once you make a decision, this is the industry that you want to be in, then we're going to map out some things that you need to do in regards to networking, uh, getting with people who've already gone through the journey like I have as a basketball, former basketball player. I can tell mm-hmm. you all the things that's going on, how to do it. We're going to get you with someone like that in the industry that you want to get in. We're going to introduce you to a lot of those people who can share with you what the journey's like. Um, so you won't make some of the mistakes that they made. Just like when you came into the league, you got with a vet. The vet kind of prevented you from making mistakes that he made when he came into the league. And if you're really interested, you're excited about it, you're passionate about it, you will take the bulls by the horn at some point and just be on your way because this is what you want to do. This is the career that you want to have once you're out of the league. So it kind of works like that. That's, that is awesome, and I'm glad to hear this because I've always I've had conversations um, with former players and just friends and talk. You know, it because if you don't already have a, a a solid foundation, you know, like saving your money and stuff. And I know the NBA and in the NFL, they do have um, sources, you know, resources for um, all players to, you know, teach them mm-hmm. how to save or whatever and so they can have money after the league. But just to end up having a career or doing something that you always was interested in, that's really, really cool. I love that. It's, I'm glad to hear yeah. that you all are doing that. That's amazing. And, you know, Sonia, I'll just say this too. You know, and then we have a, a, a financial arm as well because we know the, the horror stories, unfortunately, that's happened yes. over the years. So. Uh, we also have a financial arm um, so players can understand how much money they're really making. You know, just because they put it in the paper, you're making $5 million. Well, you, you're not going to get $5 million. You know, you're right. going to get about 2.7. You know what I'm saying? Because Uncle Sam's going to get his. Uh, I always tell <laughs> yes, the story. A bit of, right? I always tell the story because we have players that come in and they look at their checks and say, well, well why do I got to pay FICA? Who is that? I never met FICA. <laughs> You know, Wait a so. minute! I, oh, stop! Wait a minute! I've heard that on um, comedy shows or whatever. That's really real. They actually. Oh yeah, that's really real. real. Oh, yeah, God. we've had plans to do it. I mean, think about it. If you were 18 years old, that's right. You never. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So you know, you want to know? Yeah, you tell me. I, I got to be careful who I pay. Well, who is this biker guy? Well, I don't know him. So why am I paying him? You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to pay your federal insurance federal insurance contribution act. That's part of it. So, yeah. um, uh, So, so that happens today. Now, the thing about it, though, uh, you know, to be you know really honest with it, that all of our programs and services, and even the financial arm, you have to listen and you have to follow the advice and suggestions of whoever, whether it's financial or your career. You got to follow it. they are players who don't want to follow. They want to do their own thing, uh, and that's right. their choice. But and that's your choice, you know, right? Yeah, but the responsibility for the NBA and the Players Association is that we at least provide it for you. We can't make you uh, engage and interact. You know, they say that old uh, that old adage: you can take a, 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 water, a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. That's a that's fact. That's true. Yeah. That's so, just like you know, but, on corporate jobs or you know, um, regular jobs, if you will. You know, they they suggest that you put money in your 401k, but absolutely, <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't. So that's right. You know, it's it's a it's a suggestion. It they give you the resources, they give you the information, and it like you say, it's up to you to make the decision. So I'm just glad that that is out there. Uh, what you guys are doing, that's that's really great. It really is. But mm-hmm. and you know what. Most, Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. Let me Go just ahead. say this last thing. Most, most people don't realize that we do this. 
They think that these right. players are just off on their own, and it's not. No, but we have they have all the support that you can imagine. If, if a player was, if players came to us seven years ago and they said we want a real estate program. We got the best in the best, and we created a real estate program. Uh, a year and a half later, they said we're interested in technology. We created a technology program. So it's it's the players' league. We want to do whatever we can to provide them with the resources and service and guidance so they can do what I said earlier, transition into the career that they want to be in the next phase of their life. So let me ask you this, and, and I promise we're going to move on. What okay. if a player that he's been out the league, I'm just making a been out the league for 10 years, and he hears this show Friday, he, you mm-hmm. know, or, or next week or whatever, and he like, you know, I used to play in the NBA. Can he reach out to you all and get help in that way, or is it is it a time limit? Well, first of all, I'm going to say, well, when I came around and spoke to your team, why in the hell didn't you take advantage of it? <laughs> What was what was going on in your life that you didn't want to pay attention and you didn't want to take advantage of all these programs and services? So you just You're thought right. I was there wasting my time, You're right? Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I agree. I'm going to give you the business. You ain't going to get this free information without taking this verbal whooping now. That, that's I not love gonna happen. it, I love it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Where were you? What was, what was you thinking? I totally agree. But I just had to ask the question. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Trust me. I get calls all the time uh, from players who are now out the league, and they get that verbal whooping first, like because I'm not responsible to do players who are out of the league. I do it because right. I was a player, and because I'm gonna do it if I can, so you still can be successful and have the kind of life you want to have. But I'm responsible for the ones who are actually playing now. Right. So I, I, they get all that information. They know that. And here's the other thing that people don't know: when if they don't come to the meeting, uh, I think it's up to fifteen thousand dollar fine. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, would be, I, would I mean, this is serious. Yeah, but if you're making, say you're making $30 million a year, That's you sure you're going to be at the meeting? I won't mention no name, but one guy after his second year, and he played 17 years, he said, just take, take the, I'll take the fine money. I'm not going. I know what I'm doing. And he's an outlier because he had a great um, uh, post-career. He okay. had the plan. He followed the plan and was very, very successful. Well, that's good. But that's, that's good. That's an outlier. That's not everybody by any stretch of the imagination. Right, right. Wow. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> I, I just I had to ask that question. But, Doc, before I let you go, earlier this week, former cop Derek Chauvin, Chauvin, Chauvin was on trial yeah. for the murder of George yeah. Floyd. He was found guilty yeah. on all three counts. What are your thoughts on everything from the murder May 25th of last year up until the verdict? Um, I just had this conversation last night with uh, with one of the one of my NBA teams. Uh, mm-hmm. We were on a Zoom call. Um, I'll tell you something. Well, first of all, I, I I saw it. I didn't want to believe it. Obviously, I didn't know that he was going to die. He was going to be yeah. killed. I didn't know that. But the behavior and the treatment that he got from the police, particularly Chauvin, was something that people my age have seen for years. Mm. And nobody ever did anything or said anything. So that that hurt, but I'd seen it before. Right. Um, and I was, my young people particularly, not just in sports, but my young people across the globe were able to see the video. And they began to see the lack of humanity for a human being. Mm. And they began to stand up across the world, march, hold hands, unite, and say, this is not how we want to be treated. In the conversation last night, there was one player uh, who was sharing with me, because uh, I started the conversation asking, like, how did you feel when you saw the verdict? So this one player says to me, Doc, um, I knew he was going to be found guilty. I knew that. That wasn't, even, that wasn't even a question in my mind. I said, well, let me just share this with you. Because of the disparity in our age, I'm much older than you are, much older than you are. My stomach was in knots yeah. for three hours prior to this. Every minute, my stomach got tighter and tighter, 
and the fear that this guy was going to walk free. And I had this fear that this guy was going to walk free and be innocent because I have seen it so many times before. Yeah. And, and and he's like, oh, wow. I said, yeah, ask your mother, ask your father. Ask older people in your family how they felt. I guarantee you most of them will say, I didn't know until they actually said guilty three times. Now, I also shared with them that I wasn't in a celebratory mood because he was found guilty. That's just one. That's just one, okay? One person that they found guilty. They didn't find the people that killed Emmett Till, Till, right? They didn't find him guilty. Not Breonna Taylor, not Tamir Rice. You know, I could just go on and on and on about all of our young people, black people, unarmed black people who have been killed by the police, Jacob Blake. I could just go on and on. None of them have gone to jail. So now this is just one person, and I, 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 I hope there's some closure and, some, and a better feeling for the Joy family, but we got to understand that there's a hell of a lot more for us to do yeah. uh, as a people, right? A hell of a lot more. We got to get this George Floyd uh, Policing Act passed. We got to do that. Um, Quickly. And we just got to continue. Yeah, we just got to, we got to move forward. We can't stop now because one, one cop, one rogue cop, um, and I think a racist cop, I'll say that too, you know, have your sunglasses on the top of your head and a, and a knee on somebody's neck while he's handcuffed and laying on his stomach, and you act like, you know, it's a Sunday day that you're getting, you know, maybe some ice cream next. You just yeah. kill him. Right. Um, so um, but let, let me go back, though. When um, Jacob Blake was shot shortly after um, George Floyd, right. uh, my former team, um, the Milwaukee Bucks players made a decision that there was something more important going on in the world than them playing basketball and made a decision that they were not going to play. And every other team followed after that. I cannot tell you how proud I was to see them take a stand like that. I yeah. was moved to I was moved to tears because I know what it was like when I played in the league. You didn't even have a thought like that. Your job would have been taken. The league was run by owners, and you would just have been out of the league. Period. Finally, finally, players know they have um, a platform. And they know they have the power now, not the owners. And they made a decision across the board. We're not getting ready to play basketball. We want to address some of these things that's happening in our community, just police brutality, et cetera. So um, I've just been so proud of them uh, as young men because most of them could be my sons that are so young to understand right. and see something that's wrong and do something about it. You know, we were lynched. You know, we were ostracized from jobs if we did that. Um, so I'm excited about where this is going to go. Uh, I was excited about everybody else that joined in from the WNBA to soccer, you know, to baseball. You know, the only people, in my opinion, who didn't stand up was football. Yeah. You know, they're not, uni- they're not unified, uh, and that's the reason why they can't get anything done, because they're I not agree. unified. I agree. Um, so I think, we're, I think we're in a good place, but we're at the beginning. We're still at the beginning, uh, but it's still a good place because we know what we can do as a people when we're united. And I'm talking black, white, you name it. Yeah. Um, I who, mean, who, that's what makes the difference. When, like you said, what you just said, not only black people, but I'll put it to you this way. When I saw when it first happened, and I'm looking at countries, China, all of these places um, protesting about his death, when I saw the witches and the it's witches and warlocks. They were like standing up for George Floyd. The Amish, I didn't even know they had mm-hmm. TVs. They were standing right, up right. for George Floyd. <laughs> right. And when you saw right. that, that his daughter said, "My daddy gonna change the world." Change the he world. Spoke yep. something prophetic. That came yep. out of a baby's mouth, and he changed right. the world. I hate that he died, but his life is not in vain. Everything that is happening, and and I was going to ask you this, because you know, because of so much racial unrest in the past year and the killing of George Floyd, 
do you think it plays into a lot of black student athletes returning to HBCUs? You see an exodus, if you will, with a lot of black students, student athletes coming Absolutely. back to HBCUs. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we have just, you know, giving, given uh, these other schools and universities, we give, we've given them a pass. Yeah. They haven't treated all of our, our kids the way they need to be treated. That's just the bottom line. And yeah. so now why not go where, you know, people can identify with you, your experience, who you are, where you came from. You're going to be treated better. I'm not saying you're going to be successful, but you're going to be treated better as a human mm-hmm. being, as a person. And so uh, I'm glad that they do. Everybody's not going to be able to do it. But for right. those who do, I commend, I commend them and I support them 100%. I'm so proud of them. I agree. Like you said, every, all of them are not going to be able to do it, and that's okay. But mm-hmm. um, I'm thankful for the ones that are coming back and just giving HBCUs a chance because a lot of them didn't even look their way, look at HBCUs. However, mm-hmm. um, I think with Deion Sanders at you know, my alma mater, Jackson State, Jackson State, Ford, yeah. you know, things are happening. Oh. and they're getting other looks now, and that's a good thing. So yeah, don't. Yeah. My, the one thing I, I, I agree with you 100. percent But you know, I just want us to be able to give Eddie uh, Prime the kind of support. Yes. Right. That 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 they they can be successful because there've been many a black men who coached in HHBCUs, mm-hmm. but the ones that they're going to look at and judge are the ones who have been stars and been successful. we got to help them we do the things that they need to do, right, so they can make these boys into men. And I ain't talking about going to the next level, but I'm talking about make these boys understand that they have to be self-sufficient and responsible adults when they leave school. You know, right. Don't go there just to run up and down the court in the field, but you want to come out of there being somebody that your parents, your grandparents, can be proud of, you want to be able to make your mark in life and not just in sports. So that's what we need to be able to do. I don't want any kind of friction because I know Dion and some other coach from another school, you know, had some words. And, you know, I just, you know, keep it to a minimum. We want these guys to be successful. We don't want to give them anything, but we want them to be successful. And we want to tell kids the honest truth about it. A kid want to make a decision between one or two schools and one is an HBCU, and they offer the same thing. And, you know, hey, then let's give them a chance. Let's give, give them a, a chance, chance to be able to do that. Yeah. I totally agree. I absolutely agree. Dr. Walton, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been my pleasure, I, you know, to speak yeah. with you today. And I definitely, I got to bring you, as you call them, PC. I gotta bring you both of y'all back on the show together. <laughs> okay, I, okay, Chicago boy, absolutely. Yeah. I would love that. I would, I would love that. Um, I, I actually talked to him via DM the other day um, about something. You know, his birthday was last month. He turned sixty. So, um, wow. Wish him a happy wow. birthday. But he's doing really, really well. He, as you know, you you still talk to him. So yeah. But I definitely have to bring you guys back. Um, please okay. tell the listeners how they can. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm just gonna say, man. Let's make it happen. That's all I'm gonna say. Let's oh, make it happen. It's gonna happen. happen. Definitely. Please tell the listeners okay. how they can follow you on social media. Oh God, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody always tells me that, right? And so I always post and stuff. But like, okay, what is my handle? For, uh, which what do you call it? Uh, Instagram, right? I don't even know my handle. Let me just say it's uh, Dr. Lloyd Walton, one okay. one two three. Dr. Lloyd Walton, one one two three. And the other one that I'm on is Twitter, which I hardly go on. I hate to say. <laughs> and my, <laughs> I'm just serious. I'm old school, right? I don't say. Right. Is the is the Lloyd Walton? That's on Twitter. Okay. And then uh, my old school. Is my favorite, and that's uh, Facebook. So I'm just uh, uh, Dr. Lloyd Walton. Okay, and guys, and you can follow me on She Say She Say Sports Facebook, She Say She Say Sports 23 on Instagram, and that's my show for today. Until next time, this is Sonya with She Say She Say Sports, and I'll see you on the radio. That that was great. <laughs> Thank you, Sonia. Thank I you, thank you, thank so you. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, the show comes out on Friday morning, so I'll tag you in it. And um, okay, but I definitely, I really want to get you and Terry uh, on the show. That would be really, really cool. Just to because I, let's I do love it. old school basketball. I so love it. And uh, oh, yeah. and maybe Adi Nars. He was on the show. Do you remember Adi Nars? Adi Nars. He played. He was um, drafted in eighty. 80- 84, I think, round two or three, but he, um, no, not 84, maybe 84, but he played for, I think, Milwaukee. I can't think right now. But, yeah, he um, he was in the league for a few years. But, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, I, would lo- I love old, talking to um, old school basketball players. Because <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> Well, let's do it. Let's get, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, if I'm free and we're working out, uh, okay. then I'd love to do it. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Have All right. Evening. You're Bye-bye. welcome. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.